You are listening to Is There an Echo in Here? A podcast about Echo and the Bunnymen. Okay, here we go. Uh, so, welcome to uh, another episode. It's been a while, and we're back. And um, so, we're going to talk about. We're going to do some letters, I think. In yeah. This episode. Let, okay, so we're going to start. We owe everyone some uh, letter. An apology. Oh, never mind. <laughs> and just, just always. I mean, just with the huge, just the apology. Um, I don't know. I don't know. There's just a lot. <laughs> There's a lot going on. Okay. Okay. There's a lot going on in this room right now. <laughs> you okay? Yeah, it's my sock. Oh, my sock s- slipped off. Your I sock had my foot on the table, you know, and mm. it slipped off. Okay. Listen, I'm okay. Listen. We're going to do a letter today. And uh, we we'll have a lot of letters in queue to be addressed. Some are going to be their own show, like all those things. You're just going to be a show. Yeah, we're going to get Some to all the letters. Day. We appreciate the letters. Maybe um, my child will It's go to hard. Look, this COVID thing is, you know, we can't work on this podcast some like Some people we used can to. do stuff. Like, some people can, like, parent, and then they can go and work on a problem. I can't. I can't do it. All I can do is just, like, kind of stare at my five-year-old and just, you know, Yeah, it's, it's a lot. Because we, yeah. we were recording. She was in, like, school for a minute there, preschool. And then we were like, oh, let's record in the afternoon. And now it's, you know, that's out of it's the question. It's not happening so, anymore. So here we we're we're back again. We're not gonna stop doing it. So <laughs> get that out of your head. Yeah, but we're happy to have you. Um, and uh, we are so happy to have you. And we're gonna be focusing in on a song called "Happy Death Men" today. Man. <laughs> so we are. Let's just do it. Let's start in. Let's do some letters. Let's get the letter out of the way. Okay. okay. Here we go. Okay, I was really excited to get this letter. Should you? You're like the letter reader. Should yeah, I, read I should this? probably read it. Okay, this one's this one's long. I love this letter. I'm gonna be interjecting yep. during the reading of mm-hmm. this letter. Who is this letter from? This this letter is from our friend Todd. Okay. Grewell. Todd. Okay. I'm sorry, Grewell. You're gonna have to help me, as always, with the pronunciation. Okay, so hold on a second. Todd wrote now us... Now go to way back to April 1st. Now this was, you know, prime pandemic time. I mean, we received this, this letter. actually is prime pandemic time that we're in <laughs> at the moment, but yeah, we're all tired of it, so... We just pretend that... April 2020, where were you when Tom <laughs> Hanks had COVID? All right. This is someone who really gets us, I just want to say. I, I agree. Okay, here we go. Ready? Yep. This is from Todd. I'm going to say Grewell. Grewell. Okay. Shane and Courtney, loving the pod and your laid back, sometimes meandering topics. Deliberate? Question mark? No. Tone and style. No. Also, a sense of humor is present, which is a nice touch. Oh. I'm a processor for the state. 
Washington. And my job can be repetitive and a bit dry. Listening to you guys is getting me through the long days alone in my home office. I'm only on episode eight, so if I'm repeating what others have said or viewpoints that have been brought up, I apologize in advance. Also, I found you on the official IG Bunnyman page, FYI. Good job by you. I grew up in Olympia, Washington. Okay, can I pause here? Yes. I love Olympia, Washington so much. I spent a lot of time there. I lived there for like a three a months. summer. You went there yeah, for a summer. I did. And unwound one of my favorite bands from Olympia, Washington. Continue. Home of Evergreen State College. And technically, I lived in Lacey, which was even smaller, with a stuffy, richy, rich Catholic college called St. Martin's. Mm. Before the music scene took off here, I lived at dance clubs in Seattle and all-ages shows and regular concerts. Finding outsider music was natural to me. I was turned onto Prague by fellow students and even a teacher in high school. My man. My man and the pro- I love the Prague crossover with this podcast and with the Bunnyman. This guy is like a combination of the two of us. He's like our son. <laughs> okay, go ahead. But he's older than us, probably. Okay, uh, maybe. I don't know. Okay, Prague. <laughs> he's like our older brother. Yeah. Prague defined me and set me and my friends apart. It was a natural progression, pun intended, to segue from Prague to post-punk and new wave. Now, wait a second. I want to pause here, too. What? Do, read that sentence about it setting you apart. Did you feel that same way about yes. Prague? Yes. You know what? I want to talk about this, please, too. Yes, please. He said it was a natural progression to segue from Prague to post-punk and new wave. Mm. And that makes sense to me. Um because Prague is outsider music. Lately, I've been thinking, because I've been sort of returning to my Prague roots. He's wearing a Pipco shirt right now. I was wearing a, I'm wearing a, which is a reference to Frank Zappa's Lumpy Gravy, which. I That's guess not is, really Prague. It's not really guess, Prague. No. It's more like symphonic comedy uh, rock. But anyway, <laughs> um, so, but I was thinking how, to me, Prague is like punk now. And, and, and if I look back, because Prague was, punk in some telling of the tale is the response to the to excesses of Prague and like this kind of like grandiosity and like overproduction and like overly like rendered, you know, virtuosic music. And that, and that was like the rebellion against it. But I propose that Prague now mm. is the antithesis to what punk became in like the commercialization of punk and i think that Prague is more outsider and rebellious than punk and this is a view that you share with will and i share it also with myself (laughs) and uh yeah so there you have it and apparently i i think todd here uh todd gruel our guy that we're reading his letter yeah. I wonder what you would think of that because... And he said that there was like, it set him and his... Will you read that part again? Yeah, it set him and his friends his apart. His friends. So he had also But they were also going to dance more clubs. Than one. And they were going to dance. Okay. I have further questions for Todd. Should we have the opportunity to um, have him on the show? Yeah. Prague, well, we kind of are having him on the show because this is a long letter. Uh, so Prague defined me and set me and my friends apart. I mean, yeah. 
You're sitting there listening to Genesis Nursery Crime, you know, Harold the Barrel. In 1994, like Shane. In the 90s. Came out in like 74. (laughs) There's nothing like that cartoon music. All right. Uh, All right. The stranger it was, the better. My high school was blue collar. We got laughed at for loving Genesis, Rush, <gasps> and Yes, That's what you were and saying. beat up for liking The Clash and Devo. Uh-huh. 79 to 82 was a terrible time to be in high school in a small town. Okay, so he's older than us. And so this right. is not, you know, and it's interesting in the 90s too, I'm sure that you didn't, you know, I don't know, if you had a group of friends that defined themselves with this music, but I had a friend or two <laughs> who listened to and, uh, Genesis. We were kind of uh, we had a, we were dropping out though. You know, we weren't really having to interact too much. We were just sort of sitting in a room, playing Mortal Kombat, drugs, and listening to this music. Um, having said that. I was just the right age for certain bands. I saw Cheap Trick in 81, Rush in 81, The Who and Clash in 82, Peter Gabriel in 83, Talking Heads in 83, Bowie in 83, The Police in 83, Genesis in 84, Yes in 85. This is not a brag. More like setting the building blocks, I suppose. I also saw Supertramp in 82 before they broke up. It should be mentioned, too, that my high school experience was very, very close to Freaks and Geeks. I know you love this show. I just know. Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Uh, What's his confession? What is Freaks and Geeks? Do you know what it is? It is a television show. You know, I like Todd here because, and I like everyone (laughs) that's listening, but I think it's interesting People who love music on that level. Yeah. I mean, it is, uh, that's many people's dream to have seen some of these shows. I'm sure he was Oh my gosh. Great shows. Yeah. Yeah. I would have been there too. You know, like I saw a lot of shows in my day. What what was possible to see? Right. I mean, I I saw some shows that I can't even believe I was at. I know. I saw Nirvana. I saw the, I think right before he died. Yeah. Yeah, He hit Florida. But I tell you what, yeah. But I mean, I saw some bad shows just because I would go to shows. Yeah, me too. I saw awesome. like... Bob Mould was not happy when I saw Extreme. Him. Yeah. Uh, the band Extreme? Mm-hmm. Ooh, shit. Yeah, I saw like corn and shit. You saw corn? Yeah, with like Danzig and Marilyn Manson on the same boat. See, a lot of times there would be these shows, both of those shows as I mentioned, Extreme and the corn Marilyn Manson Danzig show... Or because like a friend had tickets and was like, you want to go to the show? I'm like, yeah, of course I'll go to the show. I'll yeah. go to a show. That's yeah. what I do. I like to go to shows. Yeah. Yeah. This guy wasn't seeing corn. You know, these are some. These I mean, are that was some the real... bottom of the barrel I'm talking about. I've <laughs> I seen wonder what amazing... his bottom of the barrel yeah. is, though. Well, you know, he's got some because the man went to a lot of shows. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. He's like at the club and he's like listening to Prague and he's going to see like yeah. pop music, you know. Right. So he's going to like everything. But it didn't for you lead into new wave. And that's. I didn't get into new wave till I was older until after I met you. Started this stuff, podcast. Until I started this podcast. <laughs> no, I mean, I was kind of getting there. I was getting yeah, there. Yeah, kind of. But not really. And that's why this is so fun because this is your, your intro. Okay, so read more. All right. All right. Hold on. I lost it. My thing went blank. We were talking about corn. I don't know. 
extreme. Holy. I don't say that to brag that I saw corn <laughs> and extreme. extreme. I could think of some other dumb ones too, probably. Um, anyway, let's see. Here we go. Okay. Todd's continued. I got into Echo in 1983. I was 19. Okay. Back then, Around the, the only way to find out about underground bands from Great Britain was to read the NME or MM, hang out at Tower Records in the import section, and watch Night Flight or MTV waiting and praying for something good. You guys are younger than me, but you get it. We do. I mean, we had like 120 minutes. Like, it was so much more accessible by the time we were coming along. But anyway, yeah. you could get a Cure album at the mall. That's check. right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I got so much good stuff at the mall. Me too. It's crazy. Yeah. To think about. I remember buying like Ministry yeah. at the mall. Yeah. All the metal stuff. I got. Jane's Addiction. I got Ritual at... Um, not then when I got into jazz, like all the, a lot of weird jazz stuff, I would get at like Borders. Yeah. kind of like the mall. Anyway, okay. So here we go. Where we at? We, so we get it. What we're trying to say, Todd, is we get it. <laughs> there were good bands in America, of course, like B-52s, Devo, and R.E.M., but there was something so mysterious about New Order, The Cure, Echo and the Bunnymen, The Smiths, and Simple Minds. Well, he just named all our good bands <laughs> during right. those days. That right. That's what we had. We had B-52s. We had... Devo. And we had... R.E.M. Two of those bands from Athens, Georgia. No kidding. All right. I think it was the hair and clothes and the simple fact that nobody was aware of them. These reasons made it extra special, like a secret club. I've always loved Brit Rock, and I'm a bit of an Anglophile, I guess. My first memory of Echo was watching rock videos in 83. Never Stop was a clip that was played rarely, but when it did, I was glued to the screen studying everything. You'd have to stay up super late waiting for something, anything different. And when something like Never Stop came on, it was pure magic. It was like music from another planet to me. The first thing I noticed was Pete's drums being up front, close to the edge of the stage, and thinking how cool that was. Then I noticed Ian's hair and his Mick Jagger lips. And when finally pulled my eyes away from him, I noticed the string players. I was like, what the fuck is this? It sounded so trippy to me. And this was even before I got into drugs. Are the string players in the band all the time, like ELO? Who's the guy bending his guitar into interesting sounds? I need that haircut. Gee, the bass player sure holds his bass up high on his chest. That seems peculiar. And you I, know, yeah, we could be pausing and breaking some of this. Yeah, sure. Too. Okay, let's pause and break it up. <laughs> well, he, he plays the bass like a funk player. Um, Will does have a great haircut. Um, he noticed the drummer right away. The drummer ruled, and that, Ian's yeah, got first lips thing like is that Jagger, drummer, right? huh? That drummer stands yeah, out. God damn, it's like, yeah. Um, I I feel him with the like. What is this? This is never stop. The video that Todd was referring, he included a link. Oh yeah, uh, you can turn video. that up. And look at that drummer. I love this song so much. I kind of wish they had just become like a a dance band. It's pretty rad. Yeah, it's the shit. This is a great version. I didn't, I have never heard this because I never looked at the link. Apparently, <laughs> I did pour over the letter though. We were so stoked. Wow. This, yeah, this is cool. Well, no one can see it. So but you can start. hear it. People are dancing and. 
Oh wait, let me turn this thing around. Let me see this. No, I don't know. No. Yeah, if this came on TV, you'd be like, "Wow." Well, here's the thing. It's too. It's too good. They're I too know good. what he mean. That and see, okay, that's how these bands were perceived here in the U.S. as like m- mysterious, evasive, these like otherworldly kind of creatures that came from this misty island you know and that you couldn't access them and they were and and they were so underground and it's so strange to have thought of british music that way after the beatles you know yeah but there was a real like you know american rock and roll really took precedence for a while i want to read to you the two top comments on this youtube video please that todd included the first one says OMFG, I was at that gig. Wow. Which is cool. Yeah. And then the second comment says, should have been bigger than you too. Exclamation point, <laughs> exclamation point, exclamation point. Uh, oh, cheers to that. Never Stop was a clip that was played rarely, but when it did, I was glued to that screen. I think I read this part already. Let's go on. Okay. Right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Did you have more to... No, okay. Anglophiles, yeah. Okay. We're a country of them. I love the lyrics straight away and soon bought my first vinyl copy of Crocodiles at Tower. Then shortly after that, I bought Porcupine searching for that one song. Wait, where the fuck is Never Stop? God, uh-huh. I must be, keep looking. By the way, the nearest Tower Records was 30 miles away in Tacoma. I didn't care. The drive up there was part of the experience. So Tacoma. I would drive up there for a fucking EP, which is what I did. <laughs> i tell you what, man. I needed to see this band. I was desperate to see this band. 1984 rolls around. No Seattle dates. The closest city the band was playing was Berkeley, California. I'm thinking, I don't have the money to travel down there. They yeah, they don't like going for Ocean Rain. They were touring for Ocean Rain. Yeah. They're getting even more college radio airplay with some really poppy singles and cool videos. Why, Lord, oh, why are you doing this to me? I should interject here that very few bands from across the pond could afford to play the Pacific Northwest. It wasn't for a lack of fans or media attention. It's something to do with long flights and tour buses and geography. Mm-hmm. To this day, nobody can really explain it. Portland, Seattle, and Vancouver were left in the dust numerous times. Oddly, in doing my research, Echo played... Portland in 81, which and can was I a say, tiny city back then. And can I just say, that is a shame because the, the audiences out west are the best that America has to it's offer. True. It's, it's just amazing. difficult. It's a lot of driving. To get there. But once you do, like... And you got then you got to do, like... The best do? people. So then California, you're going to do L.A., and then you're going to do maybe San Diego, and then you got to go to San Francisco. I mean, so you're... <sighs> unless you want to be playing, like, the Chico and the what-have-yous on the way. You know, it's like there's a lot of... Like even still, it's a lot of um, it's a lot of driving. It's man. a lot of space, and you gotta fly out there. But anyway, it's hard to get out there. Is the whole thing is true, and it's like you yeah. know, a lot of driving for only a few gigs. But it's always so rewarding, and it's always your favorite part. Oh yeah, and it's and the best, yeah, the best gigs. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely, by far, Los Angeles. Yeah, if you come sure. out out here on the East Coast, you know people just stare. Yeah. And stare and just you know and midwest though you have a good big gig in the midwest now. oh you can you get have, around you midwest you go play st louis and chicago and you, yeah. you have a good game you go to detroit they're real happy okay uh where are we at here in this letter 
Oddly, in doing my research, Echo played Portland in 81, which was a tiny city back then, but no Seattle date. Mm -hmm. Strange to say the least. I bet it was amazing. Somewhere during this timeline, Erg, a music war, became a video rental at our local record store, Rainy Day Records. Which is a documentary about those bands. Those bands. Yeah. And Echo were on there. Simply put, by the way, he included links to the movie and to the Echo performance. Simply put, Erg blew my mind, a nearly perfect microcosm of underground music at that time. Cut to 1985 and Songs to Learn and Sing comes out. To us, he's going to find his song. A weirdly timed best of, but to some new fans, their first introduction to the band. It also came out on cassette, which was a massive format and at the time sold really well. I should add here I worked at South Bend Mall. I worked in a clothing store, but adjacent to us was Tape Town, a regional chain that sold vinyl tapes and boom boxes and things of that nature. Okay. This was right before CDs. Because of my love of Echo, I met two friends there that to this day are my closest friends in the world. Music didn't just define us back then, but it brought the misfits together. This guy. I mean, yeah. This is a tearjerker. No, I'm like. Tearjerker. All right. Finally, in 1986, during an extended Songs to Learn and Sing tour, Echo and the Bunnymen finally fucking played Seattle. (laughs) See Attachment. This was at the University of Washington Hub Ballroom, Husky Union Building. Yes, it was a fabulous venue from the exterior, but kind of a pedestrian pedestrian from the interior. I believe the capacity was between 800 and 1,000. It was all ages, which was a huge opportunity to see an international act play a smallish venue. He has a couple pictures from that show, uh-huh. which is awesome. Oh, he shows actually. There's a picture of the outside of the building, and then a picture of like a DJ doing something in the room. And then he writes, "Ignore the DJ." Um, <laughs> low ceiling, rectangular. You get the picture. It was all ages, super packed like this. Oh. <laughs> oh, so it's like this beautiful brick building with like this just shitty room with a drop ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> It was all ages super packed. My Echo approved rock show outfit was black 501 Levi's pegged from the knees down so I could barely get my heels through the opening. Yes. Paisley shirt untucked, buttoned up all the way and a cardigan sweater. Finally, some sort of black leather men's penny loafers and white socks. As an added bonus, the church opened up and I was already way into heyday. I mean, way into it. In fact, with Echo right. touring on existing music, I was almost more excited to see the church play their curious blend super fast psychedelic music Mm -hmm. the paisley underground was in full effect in seattle and the church landed at the right time i mean just look at those shirts mine was a dark bluish burgundy thing bought it at place i bought it at place two the nordstrom boutique that was huge at the time and he includes the cover of the church album heyday with their paisley shirts Uh i gotta say this guy todd i love this guy todd the the enthusiasm for everything yeah all this music you know what i mean yes and even like the imagery and the style and all of it it's goes just, it's together just so it's just uh just you're living living it right you know living this is where you find them what else is there you know this is what this yeah the life well lived yes I remember the church surprising everyone and how tight and polished they were. Marty Wilson Piper pulled off some amazing guitar hero moves like table topping his guitar and letting his chrome steel guitar finger slidey thing roll up and down the fretboard. He was so fucking cool. The set was only seven songs, but a stellar effort to be sure. They were super focused and out to prove something. Echo and the Bunnymen came out forever later. 
with the yeah. fog machine set at 11 and proceeded to mesmerize the crowd. I remember mostly dudes at that show. I was all the way up front, so that could have been part of the reason. I also remember Ian smoking a lot and just being his gruff but lovable brooding self. He was definitely in his too-cool-for-school mode. Before the show started, there had been rumors in the crowd that Pete wasn't going to be there. Some said he was sick. Others said he had been kicked out of the band. For many years, I never knew the truth. But now we know that Pete was last seen in New Orleans on some drug and alcohol-soaked binger. Essentially, he was out of the band. I didn't know this at the time, but Haircut 100's drummer Blair Cunningham sat in during the entire American tour that year. Here's a link to that. This is a spoiler, guys. Sorry. Not a huge fan of this website. In case you didn't know, (laughs) Pete DeFritis tragically, you know, left us early. I'm going to continue this memoir later this week with part two. This is plenty long. Yikes. Part two will be the 1988 tour, the return of Pete, and the 1999 tour minus Les, and some memories and thoughts to share. Guys, thanks for reading. Apologies that this became so long, but I got into a groove and couldn't stop. Never stop. P.S. I have lots more thoughts and some cool factoids about Prague and post-punk new wave connections, but I will share the next post. So, so we're waiting on part two. Yeah, part two hasn't come yet. And that's so, okay because we get it. You know, he wrote that in April, early April. We sent that to, he sent that yeah, to Yeah, and this is our only, and our it, second It's podcast. October now when we're recording this portion <laughs> at the moment. So if he... But we're dragging ass too. So no pressure, Todd. It's, it's tough But we times. are waiting. I mean, we are excited oh, for part two. Oh, we would love two. part two. Mm-hmm. I want to hear about part two. Mm-hmm. But we have had some other correspondences and one in which Todd told us he had this cool box set. Uh, that's got all kinds of obscure stuff on it, and including the Deaf School, who we've mentioned on the podcast before. And um, and at the time, this was April 2nd, he was saying that uh, he was about to go into episode 9. I think he's probably caught up by now. And then he wrote, P.S., I agree, the doors suck. And even back in the day when Ian would bust out a cover, my 21-year-old self was not into it. Yes. Paint It Black was okay, though. Okay, that's another point. One on my team. Team Against not the that doors. into the doors. I know, but you're pro. You know, so we've got, you know, one of each. Both sides are equally represented on our podcast. Both both the pro doors and anti. Am I pro doors? <laughs> you were in a doors cover band and you love the doors. Okay. <laughs> Don't you? Yeah. Yeah, they're not your favorite, but they're vehemently not mine. <laughs> okay, is there anything else? Well, he wrote again at one point when you guys were chatting about something. <laughs> and this came in September. And he wrote, as you have my permission to read my letters, I guess I will add that the Stones and Doors covers annoyed me simply because they weren't playing more Echo songs. Didn't they cover People Are Strange on a movie soundtrack? Yeah. Yuck. For the record, uh. stones are great. Doors suck. Anyway, looking forward to a new episode, and thanks for including my little story. By the way, I loved the MES app so much. What's MES? Ew, gosh, couldn't tell you. <laughs> I've been a huge fan of theirs forever, and I'm hmm. so happy that you wrapped them into your Echo Pod. MES. Hmm. Who the hell? Oh my gosh. I've been fascinated it? by that friendship between young Mark and teenaged Ian. 
Oh, Marky Smith. Oh, M-E-S. Marky All right. That's, we are so square. We're we so square. So, We're sorry. We, yeah, we're just not really I don't think that. the friendship lasted long. Pretty sure Mark slagged Echo <laughs> for selling out. I think it might have been early fame and the it band status the press put them on. Okay. I could be wrong, though. If you haven't read the Bricks book on the fall and her See, career, it's amazing. That's what So I'm... is the Steve Hanley book. His perspective as Mark's long-suffering bassist is great, too. Yeah. Today, 9-11 is my birthday. So thanks for writing to me. What a nice way to finish the day. Take care out there and be safe. Oh, this oh, guy. What we... a great guy. Love that guy. Love you, Todd. Yeah, and uh, we can't wait to hear from you again. All right. So... This is kind of random, but I would like to read on air the bad review we got. Um, just because it's the Happy Death Man episode. I just want to, I just, I feel like we should share it with people. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, <laughs> let me see if I can find it. Let's figure out how to do things on here's. It got a little buried. I got to say, the iTunes is not the most um, intuitive. The podcast, especially with the update, you know. All right, let's see here. Well, we're doing pretty good. We averaged 4.5 out of <laughs> 5 stars with our 26 ratings. Oh, that's good. Uh, Even with the 1. he This is a 1 star, right? We're about to read a 1 star review uh, by someone named Tom 10. Uh, I'm pretty sure a Tom 10 would have gone for the zero stars if that was an option. <laughs> anyway, this review says, huh? Wait, wait. Is that the title of it, right? The title? The title of this review is, <laughs> huh? H-U-H. H-U-H. I'm going to read this in my, uh, my, uh, Julian Cope. my Julian Cope voice. Based on this most current episode, admittedly the only one I have listened to so far, neither of you seem to know much about the context of the times of your subject, nor do you seem prepared. Clearly, you are just looking things up online as you think of them. <laughs> Seriously, since you don't know anything about the Buzzcocks, Pete Shelley, or the Drudy Column, Vinnie Riley, OMD, and their contemporaries, what insights do you have about Echo and the Bunnyman? Knowledge is about context. Thank you, Tom Tan. All right. Well, there you have it. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's true. It's true. Hey, I do know about OMD, all right? We learned about them. No, I, I knew. But you knew about them. I watched like that, long I knew that one documentary song. years ago when I could. Yeah. Listen, you know, I want to just say to a Tom 10, I'm sorry. I'm sorry we're doing this. <laughs> no, one is a, no one is more sad than me that I know more about, you know, Stone Temple Pilots than I do the Derudi column. We're a slightly different generation, okay? I know that's that's no excuse. Yeah. But, you know, I have, like, Pearl Jam up in my face and stuff. I didn't have right. that airline yeah, we didn't magazine live through it. everyone was talking about that comes on. Burning Airlines or something? You know, yeah. We I didn't know what that was. And it was hard to find the older stuff. Yeah. It was yeah. It was being swept under the carpet in America. 
Anyway. Anyway. Well, thank you, Tom 10. Um, <laughs> you know what he didn't know? He, he probably didn't get to the episode where he, I didn't know who a teardrop explodes was. No idea who that when was. When we first started. Yeah. I, I mean, when I right before I started this episode, I was like, oh, cool. There's another one. Another band. Look, this is a journey of discovery. <laughs> really. All I know is I know nothing. You know? Yeah, Follow me, the wise be. man said. Then he walked behind. So, <laughs> listen here. Also, I just want to say... Um, I just want to discuss the the uh, sort of the shape of this review, where it's, it starts off saying, based on this most current episode, this was in March, by the way, of this year, admittedly, the only one I have listened to. And then at the end of it, he says, knowledge is about context. So, I don't know. <laughs> it just seems like that, that stuck out intrinsically... <laughs> fallacious and it's you know i don't know it just seems like kind of like yeah you listen to one episode when we were like right at the beginning of the pandemic <laughs> and <laughs> condemn our whole enterprise here and then tell us knowledge is about context i don't care i'm not bitter about it it's fine do yeah. your thing say what you say what you will but i will say that you need to go listen to the previous 24 <laughs> episodes so you have some context so you, can you will get you you know, because that's the thing is like, I just, you know, I just want to say, I am, I really am sorry, Atomton, that you had to sit through all that, you know, but I'm glad that he learned early on what this is about, because it really is, it, you know, this is how it is here. This is how we do it, you know. This is how we do it. This is how we do it, baby. All right, well, let's get into let's do this. the episode. It's going up, up, up. It's been a minute, but who are you? Who do we need to check in on at this point in the podcast? Oh, let's see. It has been <laughs> some time has passed since yeah. I have. Entered the realms <laughs> of the bonyman, or the bonyman, as Makalak, Makalak calls him. <laughs> and uh, Makalak. Has anyone ever? I Makalak. Does anyone call him that? Let I us do. Know. <laughs> okay, so listen. Oh yeah, so I don't know what this episode's about. Who are we checking in on? All right. We're going to check in on... Who do you miss uh, Will. the most? Okay, okay. I miss Will. The most. I love Will. You love him. And anybody who's been with us for the last 25 episodes knows <laughs> that I was pretty ambivalent to Will when we first started. Only yes. because I didn't know. That's how you know, like, like the true love. Yeah. And you, you know, know that this is some real shit you're listening to. Yeah, this is We're real. We're not here. staging shit. I'm not like coming in here as some expert. I don't care. Well, here's the thing. Um, we got to check in with these guys because, you know, they had their first show, right? And now they feel kind of like, they feel really good about themselves. Mm -hmm, like they've mm -hmm. accomplished something. Yeah, yeah. And so let's go back into the studio with them post-show and find out what's going on with them. Into the studio? Into their practice oh, gotcha. room. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, Will's 
parents' bedroom. Will's parents' house. Now. That's otherwise known as the observatory of <laughs> marine biology. What is it? <laughs> and they have a cook. Well, we come to, come to find out that <laughs> Will was the cook. Anyway. He was the cook. Uh, oh, we'll talk about that in our letters. Will was the cook with the hammer in the kitchen. Okay. Oh, yeah, right. So let's go back and like, and as you know, I'm playing the part of Mac. Yes. Okay. Okay. And I'm Will. And you're Will, okay? I'm also Julian Cope. And I'm Les. Les. But Cope's not around right now. Cope's, he, and yeah, we'll check in with him later, though. He's he's around, but he's not present, okay? All right. Let's 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 check in on these guys. Okay. Great show, mate. We did a good job. Did you see the crowd? I mean, yeah, I they did. They really liked They loved us. me. I look really hot. Up on the stage. We're like the uh, best band ever, man. Uh, yes. Yes, we are. We're going to take on the world. Like, this is only the beginning, guys. You stick with me, Mac. I will set you straight. Well, that's great. I'm, I'm going to go wash my hair. Okay? Wait, okay. what? I mean, I just got to. I have to. It's just like, I feel like I need to fix it at least. Okay. Cool? Uh, no. Are I you, have a new song. You have a new song? Hey I, guys, wait. What about me? I'm I'm here too. I mean, Les, 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 Les. Hey Les. Les. <laughs> I'm here too. Well, can I can I hear your song? I want to hear your song. Okay, yeah. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I, I'll wait just a minute. I'll go up there after you play it. I'm really curious <laughs> to hear the song. my own song. I don't understand. <laughs> okay, here's the thing, Shane. Here's the thing. This is a song you don't know, I bet you. I bet you've never heard, I've this, never song heard this song in your life. Well, the title <laughs> I uh, am not familiar with, but I also was not familiar with the title Read It in Books because I'm just not really a fan. Or, but, or and then, I, but, I, but what was the other one? I bagsy yours. <laughs> See, never would have gotten that one. Yeah, um, but you knew that one. You were like, oh, it's that song on Crocodiles. You had a kinda, reference. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you're going to be doing a fresh, a fresh listen tonight. Mm. How do you feel about that? Oh, I'm always excited for a fresh listen. All right, let's, he- let's see what you think about Happy Death Men. Happy okay? Death Men. These are just some of the songs they're writing during this period. Okay? Okay. Now that Shane's never heard the song. Because I hadn't really heard it either, honestly, until my, you know, my Mark II uh, Bunnyman exploration. Okay, would you like to hear the one that appeared on the album? I'm sorry, first? you know, in my mind, I'm still Will. It's really weird. <laughs> no, I, was I, like, thought I was like, does he still have an accent? I, uh, <laughs> okay, and scene with that, okay, we're going to. Thank you. <laughs> you're not going to have to pretend to, like. Perform I was like spacing this. out, but weirdly as Will. <laughs> I know, I wonder, it's like yeah. you were becoming him. It's, you're going to become him by the end of this podcast. Now listen. Oh, weird. He's going to become me. <laughs> and he's going to... Y'all are going to be like, what is it? And I'm going to be, I'm going to be in my living room with a coffin table. And <laughs> and he's going to be raising my daughter. In a really hot house with no central air. Um, 
Okay. What, okay, Ballers. do you want to hear the old version or the like the early version uh-huh, or the later uh-huh. version or the Crocodiles version? Oh. Why wouldn't I know the song then if it's on Crocodiles? Well, we'll get into that. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, let's hear the first version. The first version? Okay. Yeah. Here we are. I always like to start at the beginning when I discover something new. <laughs> okay, here we are with Happy Death Men, which mm. I was always sure was man for the last three years straight until oh, mm. last night. Ready? Mm. Okay. This is not the early version, but this is what you get. This is from Crocodile. Crocodile. Oh, this is the Crocodile version? Yeah, this is with Pete DeFrida. This is on Crocodile. It's like a... Okay. It appears on the UK release of Crocodiles. Okay. okay. Not in the US, which is interesting. We'll talk Mm. more about that when we talk about the Crocodiles release, but that's where you would hear it, you know? Yeah. Maybe you would get a special import. Okay. The UK release, and somebody heard of that song, but none of my friends had heard of it. Um, Okay. All right, I'm gonna I'm just gonna start. Here we go. First, of, that piano. Wow, got some real uh, Cecil Taylor vibes happening. Yeah, think about this orchestration. What the hell's happening in this song? It reminds me of one of the the Doors. No, this is like a, this reminds me of like a Doors song. Okay. Like um, one of their like outliers though. Okay. Like uh, what's that song? Um, Shane's face, though. That's so why I'm bizarre. wanting you to talk because his face is being like, because oh, when they come in with their little happy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like it. It's just, it's strange. Isn't it weird? Yeah, the strange one. That's totally nuts. <laughs> listen, this is for real. I'm listening. <laughs> I mean, so much is about is going to uh, happen, Shane. This is, this is a rip. This is really strange. I know. It's not. It's so not over. Um, it's not over. I mean, we're not. Oh, you don't even know. I mean, so much is. This is a journey. So that's why I'm saying we should just talk over it. Cause like, okay. Um, so now we're going to have a little groove session. Oh, oh, wait. Oh. Listen. Is this kind of a joke song? Oh, a joke song. Yeah, it's cool. This part, it, this could be like tan or something at this point, though. Yes, it it yeah. has morphed into just like a like a kraut rock jam. Yeah, All and right. maybe even the first part too. Uh huh. I thought that might. That's like a weird ass song. Now, because it's so repetitive, it's all about like you always talk about the dynamics of this band to kind Mm -hmm. of carry it. 
but there's something mournful about it. Um, and I really like it. It's like a little Me jewel too. that I found. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'll, I will say I love it. Okay. That I'm there. Part, to, uh, me too. I okay. love it. Okay. Can I tell you? And that, uh, that one part. And so, so it seems like in the crocodiles version of the song, yeah. there are three kind of movements. Like they play through the entire song like three times. Mm-hmm. And they play it in a different way. There's kind of like the piano, the Cecil Taylor moment that it has right out of the gate. Yeah. Just that kind of like, there's a sense of madness or like a child banging on the keys or something. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of break out of that. Okay. And then it's like, there's kind of a more sparse guitar section. And then in the middle of the song, it becomes about the horns, you know? Yeah. And this very triumphant, you know, out of this discord, Kind of a we got a a horn uh, yes it's section sort of weird yeah in unity just triumphant uh, but also kind of like broken yeah it's yeah. true like uh, it's, it's it's out of place it's out yeah of time. and uh, there's a very like it's got like John Densmore style drumming like like Doors kind of vibe going on where you have this like. Just feeling this. Well, it's like that. The- it's a theatrical. Like that's what they always said about John Desmore from the Doors. I think that's the drummer's name. Uh, would say like try to like make the music theatrical in like, this way because there's like this call and response thing going on. Right. So yeah. Jim would say something and he would kind of punctuate it. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. But anyway, this song kind of has that that uh-uh. feeling for me too. Because right. there's a lot, there'd be like open space, and then he's like, "Happy death, man!" You know, and they're like throwing, like, you know, because it it does feel like it's a little bit about um, madness and yeah, oh yeah, disorientation. Happy death, man! And then, and then at the end, though, that's my favorite part. That is just the most glorious sweeping. You just feel euphoric when you hear it, like you're flying, and you know what it reminds me of a lot. Huh. Listen to this. Okay, you know that part? Yeah. Okay. You know what that really reminds me of? Let's hear it again. <laughs> I don't know. That's a high. That's a high threshold there. That's like. <laughs> All right. It's like. That's like peak Jane's addiction for me, man. I can't really. Uh, yeah. Man. You know what I'm saying about that moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. But that, that's kind of the peak of that song, though, in a way. Of which one? Of the Happy Death Man. Yes. And, and I want to say that. It's That's like we're just taking off in the James Edition song in that part. You know what well, I mean? Well, yes. That's like the beginning. 
of the end. Um, well, but, but we've but, already but, been on a journey because I think of three days. And then she did as one sweet. Oh, okay. My I see that. I can see that. Yeah. They can't. But then she did, man. Like, did it? It's like a. It did. Masterpiece in of form. Of absolute. So is three days. You know, three days hooks you right away with that bass line and the weird. Oh yeah. Vocal thing, like talking back. It's like a you know, musical like, unfolding. It's like a symphony. It is like. It is like. Happy so Death weird. Man. Is a good song. Yes. Also. It is, and it. it I, it's hard for me to put those two side by side. You know, I totally see what you the mean drumming, about the part. That's how you do it. The no, drumming, drumming. It's all about the drumming, oh, yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. it? I just want to realize yeah. that I'm sitting here. I'm like, it's all about. Oh, it is. I agree with the, yeah the drumming. Yeah, there actually that's a really drummer good drummer of Jane's Addiction. Yeah, Stephen Perkins. Yes, that's a that's a solid real drum. We were talking about like comparing like Bill Barry from REM to like Pete DeFritas and stuff, and you're man. like, why is is Pete DeFritas better than Bill Barry? Remember? How did you know immediately? And I was like, can't was. like, yes, there's no unequivocally. Yeah, and it's just there's some there's a sense of space and deliberateness as a punchiness, like a short sort of attack that like yes. that that these full guys of potential. Have. Yeah, just... and Perkins is like Stephen Perkins from Jane's Addiction. Um, one of the guy from the police. The guy from the police. St- Stuart, Stuart Copeland? Copeland. Sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. Blank. <laughs> but like. They're all in a similar category, I think. Absolutely. Of, you know, they get the roto-toms going. Well, you mentioned earlier, when you were telling me about this, you were talking about another example is... Bill Bruford. And also uh, Riflin. Uh, oh, Bill Riflin from Ministry. Who we who, found out replaced Bill Barry in R.E.M. That's crazy. In 97. That blew my mind. <laughs> me too. Shane like started freaking out and just... Because we were Bounce talking about it. We were like, oh, yeah, Bill Murray, who's the better drummer? Yada, yada. And then we listened to this <laughs> ministry live album. You know, um, really the, probably the best live album of all time. I, I'm It's called uh, Sold. In case you that. didn't feel like showing up, is uh, talking about a masterpiece of form. It is. Do people talk about it? I don't know. Legendary, because I've like, never really heard there's about it. better you, than that. Yeah, no, there's Grateful nothing. Grateful Dead has how many live albums? Psh, they, give me a give me ministry, in case you didn't feel like showing up. Iron Maiden, nothing. Like this. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Anyway, but oh, Bill anyway. Riflin. Wait, what? Yeah. Happy Death Men. All right. Not to touch the earth. Listen to this song oh, by the Doors. Of course. Definitely. Listen, huh. This song. You know. Oh, I know this song. Some like the back of my hand, man. Happy Death Men. Yes. Come with me. Happy Death Men. <laughs> he's like, Happy Death Men. Men. <laughs> now they have their little freak out. And then he's doing kind of moany. Anyway, it just reminds me of a little bit of that, like something like that. You know, oh, like totally. this kind of like outlier, just pretty scronky. Scronky and then kind of a very herky-jerky, almost random, yeah. these volume shifts. It gets weird, that, too. It's almost, you know what else? It doesn't You work. know what else it sounds it like? Does. And this would make sense, too, is the, the residence. Oh, right. And, and, Will. And Will is a big residence fan. I feel like it has a little bit of that influence in it. Yeah, you know Will wrote this shit. Yeah. Well, well I don't know. So this melody, I want to hear a more stripped-down version. Cause I, well, but this song... I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I want to hear you play it, for example. I mean, okay. it's two chords, I think, once again. Uh, sure, well, I'll have another listen. Uh, but I want to say that this song... <laughs> 
When you said that you want to hear another version more stripped down, it makes me think like that they did this. Like to me, this song sounds like a one-off in the studio. That's exactly what I like. Exactly. So the fact that this was like in their repertoire is a bit surprising to me. <laughs> <laughs> like if there's like live versions and like it's a like that they that they carried this song around for a while. And they did. They they play it in like you know two thousand whatnot. I mean, oh is, no, kidding. You know that's wild. Well, you know, in a way though. If you think of the overall form, and I know that they think about this, Will does definitely, of the show, it makes sense to have something that's challenging and avant-garde, you know, like it's somewhere in the set and then you bring back in the nostalgia and the what have you, you know? Right. Uh, that's the way like a classical soloist might deal with like a modern piece or something. Oh, Shane's so tired. I make him do this and it's just like... Oh, I'm good. I'm good. He's, I'm and good. he's such a trooper. Hear him? Hear him say he's good. He's not. I'm good. He's he's just sits. He just teaches on Skype all day long. Um, by the way, if you want a Skype lesson from the guy, Skype lesson for me. He'll do it, man. He will do it. All right, listen. I found a stripped down version of the song. I think if it'll give me a happy. Okay, here we go. This song. This is why I think it's called Happy Dead Man, because on the, here it says Happy Dead Man, and this is probably where I've heard it the most. Okay. Is on this little YouTube video. This is Echo and the Bunnymen live at Eric's in 1979. Happy Death Man. Come on, Echo. This is a different beat. This is not rock one. It is, isn't it? It does work as a song, just bare bones. Yeah. I'm going to say this also about this song. Please do. I feel like Will wrote this melody. Huh. Yeah, okay. He's playing on the guitar in unison. And like... Yeah, that's a melody. Because this also has like a weird... Oh, prog vibe to it. Yes. Like the melody has this kind, that kind of like. Okay, that, tell us, give us your prog insight. Kind, of, kind of that baroque, you know, just kind of like, mm. you know, um, <laughs> like Hobbit music, you know, <laughs> like um, I don't know. <laughs> so I feel like there's there's an element of that to it, but it's more stripped back Mac. musically. It's more. Yeah, it makes it sound, Mac makes it sound like haunting and sultry. And then that really kind of... There's no way to, that melody, like he, at first I feel like that's true, but then once it, the contour of the true. melody goes into that, meow, 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 <laughs> like there's <laughs> no meow, way meow, to play meow, that. Meow. 
without yeah. sounding like you're going I know it's so it's kind of an interesting contrast to see to hear this you know it doesn't weathered you know I've smoked 10,000 cigarettes but I'm like 17 year old guy doing the thing with it well it also doesn't sound like a vocal melody that you would come up with right like he doesn't because if you think about the stuff Matt comes up with he doesn't think intervolically which just means the distance between the notes he doesn't his melodies don't contour like that you uh-huh. know what i mean this, like he can do some... a lot of impressive uh vocal acrobatics and his you know target pitch and stuff but he doesn't he, he i just don't feel like he shaped this melody that's a really good but you point. could shape it on the guitar really well you know and then you can like and then he does it in unison and they, yeah, he just chose. I mean, who the fuck? You hear him singing that shit? Right. Maybe he wasn't I could like, be totally wrong. He wasn't, okay, so it wasn't like this in the studio. Hey, God, God, I have a song, okay? I wrote it with my voice, okay? Are you ready to listen? Yeah, oh, yes, mate. Please. Okay. Happy Death Man standing line. <laughs> Happy Death Man. Oh, I mean, and then it changes keys, right? Does it go up a step? Is yeah, that what's happening? It's, 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 it's wonky. It's wonky. Yeah, it's a wonky-ass tune. That's not him, you know. That's a wonky tune. He's more of the... I like it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like, criticizing when I say it's wonky. Yeah, I, no, when I, of I, not. When I Things I say when music's funny or wonky or like broken or it's something. It's a compliment. It's a compliment. We're People all punk here. We, yeah. We all understand that. Okay, so let's do a musical analysis of the song. Happy Death Men, man. <laughs> Shane looks, always looks surprised every time it starts. As though like a bat just flew into the room. He's trying to track it. All right. All right. Okay. So. At the core of this song, first of all, this is a song that's in the same key as all the other songs, um, which is to say E. they do a lot of E and A, and that makes sense, especially, you know, guitar-based music and his range or what have you. But yeah. this, uh, and sometimes it's E minor, you know, like, but well, this one's like kind of E major, more of a blues. It's really actually more of a, like a dominant seven chord, you know, because they got the old, like, uh, you know, and that's that, that's that blue, bluey note there, you know. But then, you know, he lands on that F sharp, which is a note that they like a lot, which is the two or the nine, right? It's the chord. And they do that a lot. That's a big move in the in Bunnyman land, but it's very mysterious. I like it too. But um but anyway, really the song this is really simple. It's it's a two chord jam. Uh it's it's uh one the we could say it's like a one and four, you know, it's like E and A. Right. So we got the first part of the song is right? Then you get to this whole other part of the song goes, and it goes like, uh, 
So at the core, just strum those two. At the, at the core is this. Happy death men sing this song. Happy death men. Happy death men sing this song. Okay, see, wait and Happy death break man. it down. Happy, happy death man. When the sun, happy death man, it's you and me. But it's cool. It's weird. It's sonically like fascinating. I mean, it it is come some weird note choices. It parks like on the flat seven. It parks on the nine of the chord. That's kind of weird. That the lick is strange. Even here, like like hanging out on the six like that. You know what I mean? The song. It's it's like on on these, some extensions, which makes me think that again, like that. This is like a guitar written song. You know, like the melodically speaking. But can I talk about the bass? You may talk about the bass. Okay. Um. So the bass is going, and when the key changes, it does that same pattern. That's right. Speak speak to that if you would. Oh yeah. This back okay. And Ready? Forth. Okay. So yeah. Um. So the move this note. Is that? This is an octave. It's an octave. I'm singing an octave. This is an octave. That's I'm what's going on with the bass. An octave. Those are the same note. One is high, one is low. But they're both They're eight. seven notes apart. Is that correct? They're eight, eight. notes. They're eight technically, because it, you know. Um, so. Yeah. And that's what's going on. It's just now, holding the root note down. What type, what stylistically, as a bass player, like, can you, who else uses that sort of octave? Is there another song you can think of, perhaps, where... Yeah, you hear that, like, a... It's coming to me. Is that my Sharana? I'm thinking of it. Uh, Roger Waters did a lot of octave swooping, too. Okay. You know, like, kind of that kind of thing. Okay. But, um... But yeah, I mean, the octave is a thing to do. Is it also like a, like a thing of like a disco bass line or something? That's what it reminds me of. Yes. Something like. Or something, you know. Bring like, in the funk. But still, that, but, but, but that's got, that's like a chromatic bass line though. That's not like the octave bass line. Like these bass lines are literally one note. Les is playing like one note. And then they just modulate the whole song. But they make it really interesting with these bizarro, like a lot of flat second, like. Like piano, like dissonant right. piano chords, kind of just some rando dando piano playing, and then um, and then uh, some horns, I guess. I don't know what's going on in the song. There's too much going. It's so crazy. It's wild, <laughs> but uh, but it's good. It builds up. It's weird. It's wonky. It's yeah. it's wild stuff. Like I compared it to that door song earlier, right? It's yeah. like if you listen to that song that song does like the same thing and that's why i was comparing it that song uh, not to touch the earth but yeah it's just like you just take this like wonky like music shape and then you move it up a fourth that's what they do you know like it's like uh, so this uh, whole form kind of just moves up and then comes back yeah. but this is not to like you can't look this is very clinical like the mystery of this band is in this chemistry this is magical music still because it There's could sound to... like what were those two chords when you were strumming yeah, like it could just sound. I mean, yeah. but so, and yet somehow it becomes this. Yeah. 
All right. Well, um, well, thank you so much once again for that musical analysis. I mean, I'm noticing it's it's the same every time. So maybe you'll have it down like to like you know a ten second. Well, the, honestly, some of our past musical analysis are the analyses same. helped me uh, kind of just get quicker to the point here. Yeah, because it's the same song over and over again. That is that is pretty miraculous. But like that, that one we, we did earlier, the same yeah. chords over and over again, and yet all of these songs like you know are are so distinct. It's we did one earlier though where you said, "Well, see, the problem with Shane is that he's too good at guitar, so he looks for something harder than it is." <laughs> And then I was like, okay, what's the root note? Okay, yeah. okay, it's just going to be this A power chord, <laughs> you know? And yes. That, and it is. And it is. He was trying to move his fingers far apart. I don't have the best apart. ear, you know? I don't really. Yeah, but you've got the best brain. And you, Lord knows, you have, you were an athlete on that thing. I tell you what, you sure do work hard at it. Um, but yeah, in this song, Wild Now, the lyrics... So you asked the question earlier, is Happy Death Men the only lyric? I, I, it is I, said often, and I will count, and I will tell you how many times, okay? <laughs> I think I was so distracted by the musical arrangement of it um, that I wasn't listening to the lyrics on that first version until it kind of got into a repetition of that because I was like, whoa, this piano is weird as fuck. Yeah. yeah, well, I'll tell you. 16 times, 16 times the man says, happy death, man, man. It's like... Happy death, man, man. (laughs) (laughs) He says a happy death, man, man. Hey. (laughs) It's like most most lines of the song are happy death, man. All right, let's just that's get, a, can we just get like, into it? Can like we get into fourths, it? Right. Three-fourths of the lyrics All right. are the are three words. Happy, All right. death, and men. It's time to like... Tell me what it's about. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's It's time to investigate. It just occurred to me that he says that a lot. And now I want to know what it means. <laughs> okay. I can't... I can no longer just accept it as... What is? Well, I want to ask you. But this what does is the same man you? that says, "Keep on." <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. We had to talk about what it's about. Happy Look death into man. This teenage trouble. All right. I'm gonna give you a line. I'm gonna let you do this one. Okay. okay. I'm gonna give you a line, mm-hmm. and you are analyze going, it. Gonna analyze it. Happy death men stand in lines. Happy death men. Happy death men polish and shine. Happy death men. Let's go. What okay. do you think of that? Well, oh, you start analyzing it? Uh-huh. Uh, well, you know, it's kind of like you're just like sort of a cog in a machine, you know? Yeah. There's this kind of like... Um, stay in line, polish your silverware. Line, polish your silverware. You mm-hmm. shine your shoes. Yep. Be a jerk. Go to work. Yep. School's for fools. Yep, just happily going about, you know, just the waking Yeah, death. fitter, happier, more productive. Yep, exactly. Okay, so happy death men, the last breath men. Happy death men, mm. take them to your heart. Happy death men, no regret men. Happy death men, like to keep things dark. Oh. Gets a little more complicated. Yeah, that's true, yeah, okay. Yep. 
This is so goth. It is. It gets gets dark. Yeah. So I'm talking about the darkness. Oh man. Uh, so wait a second. Yeah. Yeah. And take them to your heart. Okay. I get they it. They have no. no regrets, and yeah. you keep things dark. That is Maybe about. This is like a goth fucking anthem. Maybe half be deathman's like a goth kid, who's like. It was a little. Pre-goth. Pre-goth. No, like, but I mean, this is like your happy goth goth Like you go to Hot Topic and you get your, you know, and your goth clothes and you you are actually happy. And you're also like reveling in this like space of, you know, the darkness, the dark forces. Like right. you, you, you recognize the, there's a nihilism about it. It's about sort of the consumption and commodification of nihilism you're saying yeah, yeah i mean the ecstasy of nihilism and and uh, uh living for the day no regrets is it is that, is that are you still, are those lyrics no no oh. sorry but the last breath men whatever yeah yeah am i saying man or men i always <laughs> i always want to say man um so stand in lines polish and shine that mm-hmm. that verse again okay uh and that's it that yeah oh Okay, it gets a little different at the end. After he says, like, to keep things dark the second time, he says, okay, here we go. And that's when the Jane's Addiction part starts. Okay. All right. Here we go. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, we I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's the same. So It's weird because it's like, at first it's like a satire, it feels like, you know. Right. But then it starts to feel like more like tr- this triumphal like kind of not ironic thing you know like yeah. that that's i want to be a le- last breath last man. breath man yeah living in the moment and, yeah. then, and then if you think about the title itself happy death man maybe it's like it thwarts the irony of itself you know because the title is i seems ironic right but then and then the lyrics come out as ironic, like, yeah, happy death men. Or do the happy death men yeah. contain both? Is this a critique also of like the scenester goth culture that they're in the end of the day, even though they're partying on the weekends, they're like standing in lines and polishing people's. They're sitting in the pub watching the football game, you know. And that's not really keeping things dark. What's going on? I don't know. Well, happy death man. We're going to, if you have any thoughts, listeners, please let us know. Again, um, he can hold things in tension. That's the thing about this poet, you know? That's right. It's like we're just holding it in tension. It's like there's, there's, you're going to have to sit, you know, and there's with the nothing, contradiction. You know, self righteous or pedantic, preachy about what he's saying. There's a complexity. Yeah. And then he's like, let's go. Like, you're welcome on this ride. It brings up some some kind of, like, existential uh, <laughs> sort of, um, like, gallows humor in a way or something. Or this kind of, you know, there's a, there's a, well, it's a contradictory phrase, perhaps. The uh-huh. word you, happy death, you know what I mean? Doesn't yes. really, you know, I mean, we all want a happy death. But is there such a thing, really? There's no is there happy have, death day yeah. song. Yeah, that there's you no sing. happy death day to <laughs> you. Happy death day. So, happy death, man. Just like, I want to say also it conjures this like notion 
in a weird way of like something like like King Crimson's like 21st century schizoid man. Will. But mm. I but I don't know why I'm associating that, but cuz <laughs> Happy Death Man is my song. <laughs> Happy hard. Death Man. We should cover that. So that's kind of like it. I got I just got this idea of like um King Crimson. <laughs> yeah, but see the King Crimson's heavier than that. It's pretty it's yeah. re- they're being real and they're being serious. Yeah, it's heavy. I can see Fro- Fripp. Frop. Frop. <laughs> Bob Maybe. Frop. Does he have a sense of humor? Because, you know, oh, he yeah. does not Oh, dude, it. he's a total goofball. Okay. He was on... He, it's unexpected in that suit. I know. He, yeah, I, know. I always thought, about, you know what, the other day, this is actually mm-hmm. like a few weeks ago, yeah. he put on, he was dancing ballet in a tutu with his wife on, mm. uh, on like a... They do like Facebook live stories and stuff. And he's like, really? he's a, to- yeah, he has like a. He has a sense of fun and whimsy. Yeah, fun and whimsy. But he doesn't come across that way as a performer. No, he does not. And uh, I think he's kind of gotten, as he's gotten older, He, I think he's mellowed out and gotten a little funnier. Okay. Yeah. Because he, I mean, he just seemed kind of grim. Ser- kinda yes. Pretty cool, serious. Man. Yeah. And just kind of like a humorless, you know. Yeah, but- I think he relished that image or something. Yeah. Okay. Bob Frop. If you're looking for like AKA lyrical meaning and shit like that, you know where you go to find out like just to read the lyrics of songs and to, you know, know what they're about. You go to the the book Turquoise Days by Chris Adams. When's he going to be on the show? We haven't looked at the show. I know. I, here's what I think about Chris Adams. I think we're similar. Now Chris Adams wrote the 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 Bible of the bunny men those of you don't know turquoise days and i feel like we're similar where we both want to do this interview but we don't really want to do it (laughs) you know like we don't want to yeah to do it because it takes time he's busy he's working i'm parenting you know yeah like i don't know so that's I how think, I feel about everything. Exactly, right? Don't we all feel? I think maybe that's a Bunnyman trait. I don't know. But it's like, I don't want to do anything anymore. Yeah. But just like My friend and I had, I had to go for a walk with a friend of mine yeah. like, last weekend. <laughs> yeah. And I like dreaded it. <laughs> but then it was great. Because you love them. They're your friends. Yeah, yeah, totally. I wanted to go. I mean, I and I'm such a huge... It's like and a lifelong dream. It's then. a dream for me. I mean, for him, it's kind of like... Eh. But for me, it is a dream to interview Chris Adams, the writer, and to be able to like well, we gotta explore do this topic. Let's do it. But it's just so yeah, hard. Yeah, we got to do it now. We like, do it. Okay. I'll do it. I'll be like, the know nothing. But he's really cool to talk to, man. Yeah. He's, he's the shit. I'm trying to find what he said. Okay, do you want to know what what Max said about this song? Yeah. Okay, this is okay, and this is actually kind of about the album Crocodiles generally. This is Max speaking. Okay? Okay. Crocodiles still stands up. I think though there's a few things on there like Happy Death Men where I never had a clue why I was singing it in the first place. Now to me that's a clue. That he did not write the he song. He didn't write that song. This was trying to, like, this is Will, maybe his first effort to steer the band. The stubborn, yeah. just, like, too cool for school, stripped down guy, Mac, and then Will being like, come on, man, can we, well, hey, let's listen to the doors on this, on, yeah, this, yeah. on our way to the 
club. But, Just this one time, guys, okay? You guys, but he's you like, know. Mate, you must listen to this Doors song. No, I don't even like them, man. There's just some, like, they're so dirty. They're oh. so gross as American hippies. <laughs> Didn't he love the Doors? He, they grew on him. Will warm down. And I'm like, you traitor. Uh, fucking Mac. And, and the next thing you know, he's like covering them and stuff. Oh, shit. I saw them play goddamn Roadhouse oh, Blues in Atlanta, that, Georgia two yes. years ago. I think now he he likes them and he chooses to play them, but he has been. I want to say, I want to say, and I feel you, Mac. I feel you, Mac, because like I know what it's like to be like stuck in a place with someone, and to have your ears filled with some Prague, a hippie band, and some Frank Zappa, some Frank Zappa, and you start to think, you know, I like that line that Ruth just played. You know, this is actually pretty. You know, I bet he's. I bet he's got a serious side. I bet that he's not kidding about everything. And this is, maybe this is like, he's, this is beautiful. Hmm. And, but just don't let it happen to you. Come back. Come back to your senses. And that's what Shane's saying. He's like, sometimes you're with someone and they're like, man, I swear this, uh, <laughs> this solo album by Peter Murphy is a masterpiece. And you start <laughs> to be like, you know what it is? Okay. So... Okay, so he doesn't know what the song's about. You know, he never understood what he was singing. So I had to draw some things out of the ether. Okay, so I started looking up some quotes. I just started looking into, like, are there any happy death men out there? In the world. In the world. Mm. In the world of literature. I mythology. see. Mythology. Um, nothing. Huh. All we got is... Um, the song Happy Death Men. Hmm. So I looked up Happy Death. Yeah. I looked into, you know. That's a got, thing, though. That's Happy a thing. Death. Who wrote that? Absolutely. Well, you know, I didn't find, I actually didn't really find, well, let's see. Isn't that like Camus or something? I was just about to say Camus. We got to bring Camus in. I hope we get a letter Camus. trying to correct us. <laughs> it's pronounced Camus. <laughs> we call him Camus, all right? Now, we, I got, oh, this phone, man. Ooh. I got, um, I'm going to bring him in at the end. I, I found some other stuff. Okay, okay. Okay, so I was looking into happy death quotes. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of bad ones. I think you'll like this one from Leonardo da Vinci. As a well-spent day brings happy sleep, so life well-used brings happy death. Let's hear it for Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> okay, the Renaissance man. So we got Marcus Aurelius. Okay. okay. One of the better ones. Aurealis. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is it Aurealis? I think so. Aurelius. You say Camus, I say Camus. You say Aurelius, I say Aurealis. Aurealis. Okay. So, death smiles at us all. All a man can do is smile back. Okay. Hmm. Marcus Aurelius. Okay, remember who he is? I want to say he's like a Christian. 
interestingly, uh, he killed. There was a little uptick in the murder of Christians while he was um, king, but then he had some vision of Jesus on the water, and he felt bad, and he uh, had some regret. So he had a little Christian. He brought in the he's Christian, like medieval philosopher, but he was a Stoic. Okay. Okay, so he was all about restraint and mm. discipline. Smile and all back. Stuff. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Well, this is my field of undergraduate expertise. That is exactly what I was thinking. What it made me think of also was like Aristotle's idea of the good life. Uh-huh. It was is a is is something that you arrive at at the end of your life. Right. And when you look back at it. Right. Look back at it. You look back at your life. <laughs> And uh, and and that's when you know you've had the good life. It's kind of from <laughs> from your deathbed, you know. That's right. Um, Unless you're a piece of shit, and then maybe you didn't have a good life, you know. But there's mm. that's. Uh, All right. So then I was like looking up death men because mm. that's got to be a thing, you know. And that like I think there is a horror movie that has a character. That are the death men. The death men. You know, I was kind of... Yeah, like zombies or... Like zombies or to soldiers of some sort. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then I came across this quote. Do you know who John Bunyan is? No. Okay, he's this British guy, and he's a Puritan. And he wrote a Christian allegory called The Pilgrim's Progress. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. No, that doesn't really matter. You Still know? listening. Right, okay. Right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, but he, as he was dying of some infectious disease, pneumonia, mm. was it tuberculosis? I can't Syphilis. remember. Yeah. It, I mean, whatever. But he, he said that widespread acute infectious diseases would now be the captain of of the men of death. Okay. The captain of the men of death. The captain of the men of death. All right. That is weird. It's weird. I'm trying to wrap my head around it. It's such a strange phrase. I've been trying to as well. I've been reading mm. a little bit about um it is it's often quoted when we talk about infectious disease in medical journals, you know, about chest x-rays. That that statement is often cited oh really yeah the captain of the men of death yes that would be infectious diseases Hmm. all right okay just just sit with that i don't know where i don't know okay what to do with it but it exists okay this is a thing we're just drawing drawing parallels here (laughs) we're just grasping at straws all right so we got um i don't know but i think yeah i think you're right about Camus. Okay. Cause he has some, some quotes that are, I mean, he, that's, that's his subject. It's kind of like, should you remain alive? Right. So why? (laughs) Right. I don't know. He kind of explores, you know, this, this topic. He says, and I love this quote, a happy death. Is that the name of a book? I feel like it is the name of a book. Yes. Definitely. Okay. And so this is from the book, A Happy Death. By so Camus? You, yes, by yeah. Camus. Nailed you know, it. Thank you very much. Okay. Camus. <laughs> All right. You are so right. And like, you know, we're talking about British 
musicians in this generation in particular, they're all into Camus. Yeah. That's the basis for everything. So you have to look through his stuff. So happy death. I mean, I'm sure this is a reference. Listen to this quote. When I look at my life and its secret colors, I feel like bursting into tears like that sky. It's rain and sun, both noon and midnight. I think of the lips I've kissed and the wretched child I was and the madness of life and the ambition that sometimes carries me away. I'm all those things at once. I'm sure there are times when you wouldn't even recognize me. Extreme in misery, excessive in happiness. I can't say it. So, I just feel like maybe that Ian McCulloch might think that describes him, Mm. perhaps. Yeah. And I feel like maybe that's where... I think that's kind of the essence of this song. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's this critique of people who stand in line, this longing to embrace life. And at the end, here we go. You know, right, I think right. that he's mm. he's bringing in some Camus. Yeah. Is that the the best quote that I had found? We'll it, never know. We'll never know. But, because you I'm, know, <laughs> but what I know is that, yeah. And he like, I mean, he's probably intuiting this on a certain level, you know. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's in the zeitgeist. Yeah. He's realized now that to be afraid of his death, he was staring at it with animal terror meant to be afraid of blah, blah, blah. All right. Wait, you know, what? we're trying to flesh it out. <laughs> we're trying to find some kind of a thread. You know, and like the song itself, we're throwing in a horn section. We're yeah. bringing in a goddamn, why not? I mean, bring gotta in bring in the kitchen game. sink. You got to put it in there. Oh. Uh, it wouldn't be you gotta a get happy that, death man to, episode without it. You got to have some atonal piano. <laughs> like, you know, just smack your arm down like Thelonious Monk on the keys. And, and you've got to have get your, a tone, wonky, your chord cluster. A wonky, awkward kind of, you know, melodic through line that you're singing over and over again repeatedly. And you got, mm. That's what we're doing. Yeah. That's what we This is a, a dramatic reinterpretation <laughs> of <laughs> the song. It's performance art. In podcast format. <laughs> All right. So, what else? You know, we got the song. We did it. There's We're going to wrap it up. Jesus Christ. I'll take it. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. All right. Well, there you have it. That was we it. did it. Another just abruptly, just an abrupt ending to a it's great It's a journey. It's always show. a journey, you know. Uh, yeah, it's got and, to end uh, somewhere. Thank you for just coming along for the ride and, and plant your flag there. And and, watch the last uh, dance. Um, episode four, I think we're on. I think Dennis five. Run. We're watching the we're oh. watching the last dance. That's As, about the uh, 1990, uh, well, it's the history of the Chicago Bulls. And yeah. Pretty much. That's our Liverpool FC. Yeah. Or our, or what? That's our football. Our football? Yeah. You know how the Echo and the Body Men are all into football? Oh, yeah, yeah. So over here, basketball is the cool sport. Yeah. So we're watching. We're watching this. Yeah, (laughs) basketball was really cool in the 90s when the Bulls were doing their thing. Is it not anymore? No, people still like basketball. They like college. Anyway, so you can write us an email. At, at echo in here podcast at gmail.com no smooth please reach out to us uh and we'll get back to you in the next six to 18 months 
we I, will feel happy. I mean, we'll get back to you before then, but we'll get to your letter on the show. <laughs> right. We'll get back to you pretty frame. quick. And, uh, but we will be so happy to hear from you. Um, also, feel free to write us a review on the iTunes. Oh, yeah. Or wherever. Yeah, uh, I guess we should. I mean, I don't really care, but... You know, we want to make well, the bunny men proud. You know, we we get we know a lot of y'all of our the friends. The visibility, you know. it bo- yeah, it and it's just, very important that that happened. That yeah, we, people need to find out about this. This mm, is really definitely. important work we're doing here, yes. and uh, so. So I hope you guys are taking it as seriously as we are, and get out there and give us a five star. Look at all the work we're doing here. What can you? <laughs> can, what can you do to contribute? To yeah, that? what do you? Grab a mop. <laughs> grab a bro- You know, make yourself just useful. Get on there and write a review. All right. Okay. Everyone stay safe. We love you.